Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. It's historical pie chart time once again here on Purple Daily, presented by Quick Trip. And Judd, we go back to, is this, were, were you born Super Bowl four? No, this, this no. is uh, several months before you were born. This is right? the. This is well. No, no, no. I you were born. You it's were the born. sixty-nine season into January of seventy. Yes. So because the, the last Super Bowl I wasn't alive for was the Jets Colts, which was the sixty-eight season into January sixty-nine. So yes, yes. I I was wow. around watching this game, and I was very disappointed. It's very fitting that the the first Super Bowl Judd was alive for was a Vikings loss. Judd yeah. is like three months old. Not even that, because this Super Bowl would not have been in February. It's January 11th, 1970. Your birthday's in November, right? So November 13th, so it was just shy of my, what, two months? And you get yeah. brought into the world and just yeah. get knocked upside the head by a Although Vikings I was in Super California at this point, sun, sunning myself in Los a Rams Angeles. Fan. So, uh, yeah, I was a Rams fan. I was a huge fan of... Uh, of uh, Crazy Legs Hirsch back in the 50s. Oh, yeah. You, you know how it was. Yeah. Coliseum is where I hung out. Uh, Coliseum would have been a better place to play this game than Tulane Stadium in New Orleans, Louisiana, this which... This hmm. is back in the day when the Super Bowl was a movable feast to... Uh, I, I mean, hell, there there was a Super Bowl the Vikings played in in the 70s at Rice. That was played at Rice in, in Houston. Brutal. Uh-huh. Couldn't even get to see the, So they're losing Super Bowls inside these just sort of 
dim they college were, environments. You know? As I recall, because I, I did some uh, sidebars on the book that Royce did about the Vikings history for the Star Tribune several years ago. As I recall, the game at Rice, they were actually practicing in like a high school at a high school football field. And they were in like a oh, rat infested locker room. Oh my God. This is the old Super Bowl, man. It's not for the faint of heart. No, this is, they were still, this was still, this was the last year, I think, before the merger. So this was the last year where yes. it was four Super Bowls and the Vikings lost uh, the last one here, where it was the NFL League champion and the AFL League champion. So there are some Vikings fans that when we say, hey, the Vikings have never won a championship, yeah. they'll say, no, 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 no. They won the 1969 NFL championship the year before the merger. Yes. But they didn't win the Super Bowl, which was putting the leagues together. So um, I have, and we can kind of go through like, you know, some of the setup here, but I do have seven slices of pie as okay. we put the official pie chart of blame on the Vikings first. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Super Bowl loss. And just the setup, and then you can fill in here as you want to. January 11th, 1970. It's the 12 and 2 Minnesota Vikings from the NFL against the 11 and 3 Kansas City Chiefs from the AFL. Uh, Jack Buck and Pat Summerall were on the call for this game for CBS Television. Mm-hmm. The cost of a 30 second commercial. Can you guess? Oh, God. We had a um, Schlitz, a Schmitz beer, not Schlitz, but a Schmitz beer commercial. We had American Airlines. I watched the full broadcast, at least three you know, chunks of it. $2,000. $78,000. Oh, it was more than I thought. Yeah. Okay. $78,000. Uh, the Nielsen ratings, an estimated 44 million viewers for this game, a 39.4 Nielsen rating with a 69 market share for this. So pretty good. Pretty good uh, number yeah, there. And, and the Vikings were going to kick the Chiefs behinds. Yeah. And uh, they wind up instead as 13.5-point favorites, losing this game 23-7. to And the statistics are pretty brutal in this one. Pretty brutal. You had the Chiefs jumped up, by the way, to uh, a 16 to nothing lead at halftime. The Vikings for the game ran 19 times for 67 yards. Joe Cap wound up kind of running for his life in this game. 25 passes for a buck 83. The Chiefs didn't really move the ball that well either. Only 273 yards of total offense in this one. But, um, yeah, it was kind of a, even watching it back, like it's fascinating watching old-timey football. Even the way that they, the offensive linemen literally do like the down, set, hut thing. And it's just, it's it's very, very old looking. Uh, The Vikings, by the way, they destroyed the Cleveland Browns in the NFL championship game 27-7 to to get to the Super Bowl. So, Anything Met. else you want to fill in here on just on background for this game before we start blaming people? So the, uh, this game actually went into the Vikings went into this game. Your point being, it was the last game before the official merger of the AFL and NFL. And the Vikings went in as I'm looking at it right here, 12 point favorites. And don't forget the Vikings were going to restore the dignity of the national football league because the jets had upset the Colts the previous year. Yeah. Namath, of course, promising the victory by the pool in Miami because he did his press conference by a pool. And um, this was going to get the National Football League. This was going to get it right. The Vikings were going to set things right. The NFL trusted Pete Roselle trusted the Minnesota Vikings to to straighten out the um, loss, the upset loss of a year before. And then this pie chart happened. Yeah. 
Uh, the Vikings in the regular season, they, so they got beat. They went on the road in week one and lost a game to the New York Giants to start 0-1. And then they rattled off 12 consecutive victories from September 28th through December 14th. And they were just beating the crap out of teams. There's a 52-14 to win over the Colts in that stretch. There's a 51-3 to win over the Browns in uh, week eight. A 52-14 to win over the Steelers. In week 10, uh, the Vikings in the regular season among the 16 NFL teams wound up number one in scoring offense and number one in scoring defense. The offense averaged 27 points a game. The defense gave up nine points per game in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, the defense gave up. They beat the Rams 23 to 20 at the Met. And then they beat the Browns at the Met 27 to seven on January 4th. It's funny because they only had a week between the games. So you win your league championship. And then the next week, there's no like, Oh, exhale. Okay. There's no like media day, any of that stuff. You're just mm-hmm. on to the super bowl. And mm-hmm. they did put together for the pregame show. Cause I did watch like the 30 minute pregame show. They had uh, some prepackaged stuff like Bud Grant and Pat Summerall walking across the practice field. Uh, was it winter park? No, it wasn't winter park. No, no, they were at uh, the, the Vikings at that time. Um, either practiced at Met Stadium or at Midway, the old, not where the Saints played, but there was one before that. Okay. So, no, they, they actually, I think their business offices, if I'm not mistaken, were in Bloomington, but they okay. were literally offices. They were, it was like a strip mall type of thing. It's, there was no like facility. No, oh, interesting. So, I don't know where they actually had them walk around, but it wasn't quite the lavish uh, Taj, Taj Maziggy setup that they had. Open in like 82 and it was yeah. state of the art and of course by the end it was an absolute dump but yeah no there was no there was like no centralized practice lo- location of convenience back then yeah these were men phil these were men this was the party. days where man football players were real men's men back in the and had day jobs too off-season yeah. jobs a lot of times yeah because they weren't they weren't making the, the crazy generational money Another thing from this is that this was one of the more famous NFL films games in the early days of like the, the Super Bowl yes. era. So the night before the game, Ed Sable, who was the mastermind behind NFL films in the early days, he met with the Chiefs coach Hank Stram and convinced Hank Stram to wear a hidden microphone during the game so his commentary could be recorded for NFL films and their recap of the Super Bowl. And it wound up producing some of the more because Hank Stram was this, I mean, born in Chicago, this sort of, I'm guessing he's Italian, right? He's And, be, and became a broadcaster because it was a natural fit. Yep. He was, he was, in fact, for 20 years, he did like Monday Night Football on the radio back yes. in the, the 80s and early 90s. With Jack Buck. With Jack Buck. And so Jack Buck went from TV doing Super Bowls to radio Monday Night Football. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, Hank Stram, if you've seen the the film, the like the there's like a 20 minute 30 minute episode of NFL films where they're breaking down the Super Bowl, and it's the 65 65 cross power trap oh, trap yep yeah Vikings fans and Bud Grant <laughs> 65 cross power trap Bud Grant hated Hank Stram <laughs> largely because of of that and Vikings fans for a long time would get really pissed off if like Stram did a Vikings game because they always thought that that he was biased against them I mean Hank Stram was. Back in the day, he was a very disliked guy here because of that. 65 toss power trap is the play. It's a great, and but I mean, it was that that idea that what the Sables did, Ed and his kid Steve, who are both passed away now, what they did was incredible. Like they oh originated gosh, the that access. idea of like 
access. Yes. And like yeah. really well shot, like film shot, not not just like TV. Yeah, they I mean, they basically like is is cinematized a word. They cinematized huh. football. They made their movie. And it became a marketing wing of the NFL for years and years and years. And still is. And it still Absolutely. is. I mean, Hard Knocks is an NFL films production that's, you know, right, HBO. So, uh, and then before I get to these seven slices of pie, one other thing that really stood out among a million, just watching a football game from 1970, January 1970. So Paul Krause, legendary Viking safety, intercepted a key pass late in the second quarter. So the Vikings were down six to nothing. They fumble the ball, and now the Chiefs get the ball back midfield, and so the Chiefs are looking to go up by by two scores. And um, Len Dawson, the Chiefs quarterback, throws a ball down the field, and of course the goalpost is on the goal line too, which makes it even more hilarious because these right. receivers are like down there trying to navigate it. Right. And uh, so so Len Dawson throws up a jump ball, and Paul Krause jumps up in front of the Chiefs receiver and picks it off at like the five yard line and lands. So it's man, your your team's on the ropes. You need a big play on defense. You get the ball back. It's the Super Bowl. Everyone's watching. In today's NFL, all eleven defenders would have run over to the hard cam at the end of the end zone and done like some elaborate, pre, you know, right. posing or celebrating and everything. Paul Krause picks off this pass. He gets up. No high fives from teammates. Nothing. Just trots back to the. And usually the sideline would be overflowing, like, yeah, you know, jump high fives, everything. Just like the amount of celebrating was zero, basically, until the game was over. And this, yep. it was just a different era, man. This was like, these were World War II era, like boomer say, era people, yeah. man. Yeah, the, <laughs> these guys were not the, um, because the, the, the league actually at, at that time had no rules against it. Because they outlawed it like in the eighties, because it got so out, out of control. So yeah, these guys were just like as serious. Well, and look, Very I mean, stoic. Bud Grant was their coach. Bud Grant's the ultimate. If, if you think about stoic National Football League figures, you got Lombardi, you got like Bud Grant. So yeah. like nobody, you know, you didn't wear at home games, you didn't wear gloves, you didn't wear, you know, you didn't go warm up. You just stood there and froze your ass off with a park on. You just take it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So, okay, this is the official, on-the-record, documented pie chart of blame for the Vikings' first Super Bowl The Rock knows how you feel about pie. And I'm sure if I'm missing anything here, please chime in in the comment section on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Obviously, I was born a decade and a half. I was born in 85. I was born 15 years after this game. I might be missing something. But we're going to start out with a 5% slice to the grounds crew at Tulane Stadium, Judd. 
I know the conditions were the same for both teams, so it's not an excuse necessarily. But right. this was the most unprepared Super Bowl field, I think, in the history of this game. Five minutes into this game, and it was a muddy, sloppy disaster. Guys are slipping all over the place. Play, the Vikings had the white on white uniforms. Everybody was just caked in mud and paint and grass and everything. First quarter, and like it should have favored the Vikings. Damn it! This should have favored the Vikings. Their conditions. Yeah, and that's why I only gave it five percent. I don't want it to be an excuse, but like, can we get a real football field here? Oh, go through some early Super Bowls. It is incredible. Yeah, well, even just like the some of the some of like the regular season games where they're playing in like any type of rainy conditions would just make. What was it? Nineteen was it? It was seventy six or seventy seven. I forget which it was when the Vikings played the Rams. In they finally the Rams finally got the Vikings in the Coliseum. So because they they had lost like twice here, yeah, the and they hated the cold, obviously, and the Vikings sort of tried to embrace it. But they went to play in Los Angeles, and they're like, okay, now it's get even time, right? Gorgeous conditions, L.A. Southern SoCal. It rains, monsoons, and you can't. Honest to God, go back and watch it. You, you can't, can't see tell the who's who. Yeah, <laughs> they're all just caked in mud. So, so no one cared about the field conditions back in the no. '60s and '70s. Whatever, yeah, so. George Toma probably did not take care of Tulane's field. No. Uh, well, maybe he did though. Is it possible well, he did? I, I a young George Toma at the time, because he was the he might have been the Royals groundskeeper by then, because okay. he was in Kansas City forever. So he might have been, I don't, know, I don't know if, I don't think it'll, let me, just real quick here, George Toma. Yep. Super first Bowl. Super Bowl. Yep. Toma's reputation won him the job of preparing the field for the first Super Bowl in 1967. So, so this, he did. this was a oh, George so you're giving Toma 5% field. to George. George you're Toma, give- man. Sorry, guy. So George Toma was the, in addition to being the official Super Bowl groundskeeper up until like. The, the debacle from a year or two ago and everyone was slipping all, all over the place was the Minnesota Twins spring training complex groundskeeper for years yeah. at Hammond Stadium. Yep. And the Wilfs actually, after they bought the team, hired him to improve Winter Parks fields. Oh, no. I it, So he's 94 years old. Yeah. I w- this is even deeper than I thought. He hit George Toma. George Toma has been the official groundskeeper. George, oh my. George Toma worked for the Kansas City Athletics until the team yeah. relocated to Oakland in 1968. And then he worked and for the And then Royals. at Municipal Stadium where the Kansas City Chiefs also played in 1968. Oh, so the, 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 the Chiefs home groundskeeper was the groundskeeper for this game at Tulane Stadium. Fix was in. We got screwed. I mean, I've already written Rock out the pie chart, pie. but I feel like the Vikings did get screwed Pete by Rizal. a hometown groundskeeper in Super Bowl Four. That's uh, you know what? what I never, I never knew that. I didn't know that. I knew he had a longstanding association with the uh, with the baseball club. I did not realize that he was the municipal stadium groundskeeper. And I just found out in the last like year or so because I saw some pictures that the Chiefs actually played there at one time. Yeah. So wow. it's amazing. So the controversy from the Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl. George Toma is literally like 93 years old, and people are like, who's the guy? Who's the groundskeeper? Like, why do we have a 90? The guy's He's a legend. Why do we have a 93-year-old? Yeah. He's probably still shirtless. That's all I know. He would always George. be shirtless, like mowing the lawn and at Hammond yeah, Stadium. I think he finally did put a shirt on. I think Royce said that he finally got, got some type of, like, skin cancer scare or something and started to wear a shirt. 
So I'm I would have to bump this up from five percent to something higher. We got yeah, you know what? The fix was in, the conspiracy is on. In fact, I'm gonna bump it from five to ten percent. All right. Right now. And I'm gonna so bump you think that he so you think Hank Stram said, Hey, hey, make sure this field's in as bad a shape as possible. I'll yes, hundred percent. I think this is a conspiracy. It's gonna help my defense mm-hmm. or something like that. Okay. Okay, since we're going through excuses, I'm going to give another 5%. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. We're going 10% grounds crew and George Toma. Now, 5% to the NFL's lack of technology. So how are you supposed to make, <laughs> how are you supposed to make in-game adjustments when no one's got a headset, you know? Hank, no Stram's, out back there, then. Hank Stram's out there with, like, a rolled-up play, like, play sheet. You know? program. Come on now. Come on, guys. It Carry looks like a program. Yep. Was, yeah. But both, both, both sides didn't have the Those technology. You didn't have a technology. It was uh, Brady Hoke-like. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Brady Hoke. Headset. It's like, bro, Brady, coaches have been wearing headsets for like 30 years, and you're the last one. You're going to yeah. get fired, guy. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, you can't make – and there's no ta- – like, Bud Grant can't consult the tablet. Okay, Joe Cap, I'm getting killed yeah, out of here, guys. Can I, can I see a tablet? There's, can I see what's happening? Joe wouldn't have known what to do with a tablet. Joe just went out there, was a gunslinger, and ran What's and ran. ran. Yeah, Joe wouldn't have embraced a tablet at all. Joe probably would have just broken the tablet before ever looking at it. Okay, 5% to Joe Cap. I thought about going more here, but he's the Viking starting quarterback. Now, it, John Fashenda is the, the big voice guy back in the yeah. day, right, for NFL Films? Yes, yes. The guy who talks like this on the NFL, Great. voice right? of God. Okay. Voice, voice of, of uh, voice of voice of God for NFL films back in the yep. day. Yep. And at one point he said in the produced recap of this game, Joe Cap, a hungry gunfighter from Canada who played quarterback with faith and fury. I'm going to need a little bit more than faith and fury in my quarterback. Okay. I'm, I'm going to need some ball security. I'm going to need, you know, some accuracy. Hey, Josh Dobbs, faith and fury. I, yeah, it doesn't work. It, it might work against the Falcons for a minute, you know. But Joe was uh, the guy that that established the forty for sixty mantra that the Vikings have brought back on occasion because at the time it was forty man rosters for sixty minutes. For sixty minutes. No, what's it now? It's fifty three, but on, it the, on, on game day it's forty six. It, does, is it, it doesn't work. It doesn't really work anymore. Forty six and yeah, and like the vague gonna, third quarterback rule for sixty. <laughs> 53, but then you got to subtract seven, and then you got to add the one. Yeah, it doesn't work anymore. So, yeah, he he turned the ball over three times. Now, in fairness, two of those interceptions were in the – he fumbled and then threw three picks. Two of the interceptions were in the fourth quarter when they were down by a couple scores and they needed to make something happen, and he's trying to be aggressive. But, sure, you know, just uh, didn't make enough plays for my taste in this game. A lot of incompletions that didn't need to be. He's running for his life a little bit, but 5% to Joe Cap. Okay, mm-hmm. slice number four. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. I hate to do this because John Henderson, the wide receiver, actually was the most productive offensive player for the Vikings in this game. Mm-hmm. So he caught seven passes for over 100 yards in a game in which, like, he basically made up half of the Vikings' yardage offensively. But you're going to dig him. I got to give him 10% for just a brutal fumble in the second quarter. So Vikings are down 6 nothing. They're nearing midfield. Okay, rough start to the game. That's okay. Let's get something going here, guys. And and Joe Cap drops back, just a straight drop back. The formations are funny. They, they had like Osborne and uh, uh, is it Bill Brown, right? Yeah, Bill Brown. Boom, boom, the, Brown. The running back, fullback. 
just kind of lined up like, but they're in like a three point stance in the back. And the drop backs too. are like this. Yep. Caps dropping like literally yep. straight, yeah, straight back. back. I love the old drop backs. <laughs> but he, he drops back straight back and he throws just a beautiful dart 15, 18 yards down the field. And John Henderson's wide open. He catches the pass, takes one step, boom, ball gets punched out for a fumble. Now the Chiefs then on the very next play threw the interception back down the field because nobody cared about interceptions back in the 60s right. and 70s. But it was a chance for the Vikings with good field position to, okay, let's get a drive together here. Let's go down and score and change the momentum. And it just felt like, oh, man, another thing going wrong here for uh, for us. So John Henderson, great game for you, but that fumble – can't happen, man. Ball security. Mm-hmm. Right. The Rock knows how right. you feel about pie. All right, last three slices here. Fifteen percent to the Vikings' offensive line. Twenty-four rushing yards in the first half. Three and a half yards per carry on the ground for the game. Three sacks allowed. Joe Cat running around. They just didn't get any push. They didn't get any. Just watching that game. That Chiefs team was good too. Right, that that defense was good. Yeah, it was. Not... Yep, and the Chiefs the Chiefs actually had several Hall of Famers on their team. If you look, yes. there's like let me count them. And they're if if you yes. count like Hank Stram is a Hall of Famer too. But you're right on the players. I think the Chiefs had like Willie eight or Lanier. nine Hall of Famers on that team. Their kicker Denver was Thomas. a Hall of Famer, Jan Stenerud. Jan Stenerud, who kicked here at the end. Jan Stenerud That's actually right. was a Viking. Every yeah. almost every great kicker in the seventies, eighties. Kicked here at some point in time. Yeah. Gary Anderson, Morton, Jans Denerud. It's crazy. All of them. Yeah, it is crazy. So I got I just gotta say offensive line yeah. just didn't um I hear you. didn't quite lean on the Chiefs like you need to. Which brings me to you. the sixth slice out of seven. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. So Vikings, they go in. You said twelve point favorites. I saw thirteen point favorites, whatever. They were almost two touchdown favorites. Yeah. Yeah. So you're coming in here. Here we go, boys. We're favorites. We're the better team. 12 straight victories regular season. We just blew the doors off Cleveland, which is one of the best teams in the NFL for 20 years during that era. Let's come in with the right mindset, okay? Bud Grant, 25% for not having your team ready to play. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. And Hank Stram, you know, he's a much more vocal coach. He's riding the officials the entire game. Now, in fairness, he was mic'd up, so there's just more, like, footage yeah. of him talking. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like Hank, Hank Stram spent, like, half the game just riding the officials for bad spots, for penalties, different things. So I feel like he influenced the game. All and still Bud, true today. Yeah, and, and Bud Grant basically just stood there stoically for, like, three hours. I think if this were modern day, we would be, we'd be ripping – 
the Vikings coach for like, why aren't you doing anything, the man? Post game like, shows were just, brutal. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, the, po- the talk, talk radio after this was <laughs> vent line. I heard was what they they just killed Bud. Where they're using like the the rotary dial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I like to talk to Judd Zolgat, please. Yeah, I go and talk to the radio station. Give I thought Bud Grant did a bad job preparing his football team. Yes. So, <laughs> Bud, I, I mean, you got to take it, and, and yes, not to mention, yes. like they went into four different Super Bowls. This was the first one, and they clearly weren't. The games weren't close. This game wasn't close. They didn't score in the first half. The yep. Chief just seemed more prepared and ready for this football game. I think that's very fair. I And look, of the four Super Bowl defeats, I think there's a very good case to be made that the three uh, subsequent losses were just superior football teams, Steelers, Steelers Dolphins, Dynasty, Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. Um, you know, this Chiefs team was really good. And, and I think that they were... I think they were slept on because at that time, the fact that they were in this other league was a big deal. Uh, and so I'm not trying to take away from them, but I mean, this is a terrible, like in the annals of Vikings defeat, this defeat's awful. Yeah. Which is why day. we're, we're putting it to bed here on this, on this pie chart. Of the Rock knows never be talked about, about again after this. Yeah. <laughs> this will be the last time. Well, at some point, like anyone who, I mean, how many people have even, have conscious. You have to be in your sixties, mid sixties, to have like conscious memories of this game. So, yeah, right. a long time ago. From our from our group of people, Patrick does, and geez, that might be. We good. can see on our like YouTube analytics that a small percentage of our audience was potentially alive and remembers this game. And if you do, please comment on the YouTube yes, comments. Go section. ahead. Yep. Color this in, and that brings us to the final slice of pie here: pie chart to blame for Super Bowl loss. And it's to collectively the purple people leaders, specifically the legendary Carl Eller, Jim Marshall, your guy. and Alan Page. Carl Eller, your guy. My guy. My first ever interview when I was eight years old. Yep. Now, Carl did have a sack in this game. I know what you're going to get him on, yep. But these guys, they this is, this is your legacy, man. Here it is. Best defensive front of that era in the NFL. Go dominate this game. They bit hard on two reverses in this one. Yep. Dominated by the Chiefs' offensive line for the most part. And uh, it's how they're going to be remembered. They're going to be remembered as a great defense. And so this is the butt in their legacy, right? It's, oh, yeah. boy, that Carl Eller, Jim Marshall, the boy, those purple people eaters. But 0 for 4 in the Super Bowl. Right. Because that, that 85 great Chicago Bears defense isn't remembered today like they are if they don't win that Super Bowl. So, yeah, yeah, no, there's no question about it. The The entire legacy of the of those Vikings, which included uh, the defense, certainly uh, the four up front, and guys like Tarkington, all hinges on the fact that they did not win a Super Bowl. I mean, mm-hmm. it's that simple. It's that simple. I thought you were going to uh, – I thought you – because I, I found this in a recap – of the game. And I didn't either remember this or know it. It says near the finish of the game, defensive end, Carl Eller, the Vikings threw Len Dawson for a four yard loss. And when Vikings defensive tackle, Alan page followed up with a forearm directed at Dawson, the Vikings were penalized for a personal foul and offensive tackle of the chiefs. Dave Hill began throwing punches at the Vikings. The chiefs bench emptied the players across the field in case help was needed. Uh, linebacker, Jim Lynch, wanted to resume hostilities on the next play. But when the countdown by the fans last 30 seconds began, there was no fight or interest left 
in the Vikings. It's, it's, they're looking to send a message for the next time they meet. It's like hockey. And they did meet, I think, to open the next season. And much and the like Vikings the Falcons win. in 99, I think the Vikings, the Vikings won. Got our revenge. So you, you mentioned, by the way, the 85 Bears defense, which is pretty widely regarded as the greatest defense in NFL history, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. I don't think there's a whole lot of debate that that is the the greatest Certain. defense in the budget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that Bears defense in the regular season allowed they were the number one scoring defense. They're also the number one scoring offense, but that includes several defensive touchdowns, I believe, and field position, everything that went along with it. But that Bears defense allowed twelve and a half points per game. This Vikings defense, nineteen sixty nine season, nine and a half points per game. So if this Vikings defense pays it off with a Super Bowl win, we might be talking about it as as now the the 85 Bears, the NFL was just bigger in 1985 too, so yeah, more publicity, more media, more attention. Um both teams pitched, let's see the Vikings pitched two shutouts in the regular season, Bears pitched two. Um the Vikings held every opponent in the regular season to 14 points or fewer except for one week one against the Giants. That 85 Bears defense did allow 38 points to the Dolphins in primetime once, 28 to the Buccaneers. So now in the, in the postseason, the Bears allowed 10 total points in three games total in the postseason that year. And as I recall the first two, because that team was so dominant, were, were, was at Soldier Field. And didn't they play the Rams there? And I think it was a miserable day. They and played they just, the 21 rip over the Giants, 24 yep. rip over the Rams, and then they beat the Patriots 46 to 10 in the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, and that was that, that Super Bowl was absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. That was during that run of of Super Bowls that got just out, out of control. Yeah, uh, yeah cuz the other defenses that would be in this conversation are the Steel Curtain defense of the Steelers in the 70s, mm-hmm. which is one of the greatest of, of all time. But yes, the Vikings 2000 Ravens. Yep. But but there's no question the the observation or the perception, especially nationally, of the Vikings would have been different if they just gotten one of these four. And this was the one to get. I would say, okay, the 2000 Ravens. So they they allowed 10 points per game in an era. By then, you're talking 2000. You're talking like. You know, Dan Marino had been in the league for 15 years. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they played all these guys, but actually they may have played Marino. Let's see here. Mm. By 2000, Jay Feed, no, Jay Feed, yeah, yeah, he, he was, was at the end that. around then. So, but like the league was a much more offensive and passing yes. league in 2000, and to hold yes. teams to 10 points a game is insane. September 20th, 1970, Kansas City Chiefs at Met Stadium, 27 to 10 loss for the Chiefs. Take that, yeah. revenge came swift. I mean, won a regular season game in route to a 12 and 2 finish in a first place, uh. NFC Central Division title. That'd be a fun list for the offseason for like summer Purple Daily content. Best revenge victories in Vikings history. Or like biggest like, oh, no, that really doesn't make up for it. <laughs> Beat the Falcons uh, to open 99. Yeah, take that. Yeah, Falcons like, whatever, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> See you later. We still got that Super Bowl appearance at least. So the pie chart is sliced up this way. We've got 30% to the Purple People Eaters for just not being dominant. In this game, 25% to Bud Grant not having his team ready and prepared compared to Hank Stram's team. 
15% of the Vikings offensive line for not getting enough push, not running the ball well. 10% to wide receiver John Henderson for a terrible fumble that, uh, that, that put a dent in the Vikings' momentum or chances to get momentum. 10% to a questionable grounds crew with major Kansas City Chiefs ties. 5% to Joe Cap, the quarterback, and 5% to the NFL's lack of technology. I need a, My team is struggling. Give me a tablet, okay? There's, Give me something. Get, no, and you're not getting a headset back then. <laughs> and and uh, Bud's OC in that game, his longtime friend, Jerry Burns. Burns. Yep. yep. Big became the, uh, well, not the next Vikings head coach because technically Les Steckle became the yeah. Vikings ex-head coach, but and then Bud came back. Yes, sir. So there you have it. The Vikings did go on. Um, after this season, so this, this sparked a run of, I mean, it really is the greatest run in Vikings history that, that continued on throughout the seventies. They wound up not actually paying it off, but you know, this was like their first real, they went to the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. The year before they went eight and six, they lost in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. Um, they had been in existence for like eight or nine seasons at, at that point, but they went on to win like nine or 10 division titles or even more than that in like the next decade plus uh, before kind of coming down the other side of the mountain in the early 1980s. So this was the start of that great seventies run, but mostly seventies heartbreak because of the Super Bowl losses. And the remarkable thing about this run was um, as members of the NFC central in the seventies, right? It was the lions, the bears, the Packers and the Vikings go through the ineptitude of the bears and Packers. It's incredible. So from 1970 on, in, in, the, in the decade of the 70s, the Bears, 6-8, six 6-8, and 4-9-1, six and 3-11, and 4-10, and 4-10, and 7-7, and 9-5. Seven and, seven, and, mm. and um, at 9-5, and five, they finished in second place. In 78, they backslid to 7-9. and nine, And then to end the 70s in 1979, 10-6. So basically what? Out, out of the whole thing, I think they, the Bears two winning seasons and if you look at the packers they were equally as bad so yeah. like the division the division was the vikings for the taking uh for a decade yeah this also turned out to be joe cap's last ever game as a viking yeah because yeah, he, he contract he then, problems he like forced his way yeah he, he he wound up with the patriots in 1970 yeah. he held out and that was kind of a wrap on his career did you know he finished second in the mvp voting in 1969 to uh, Roman Gabriel with the Rams. Oh, Roman Gabriel. I did not, but I'm not surprised. I, I mean, he was good. Carl and, Eller finished third in MVP voting. So second and third. Well, and, and the most incredible thing was it was it 1971 that Page actually won it. Yeah. Which is nuts. Yep. 1971, Allen Page, 21% of the votes. Roger Staubach, 13%. Otis Taylor, the wide receiver from Kansas City, 13%. And then Carl Tarkington, Eller also got a vote in 1971. And then Tarkington, if I'm not mistaken, returned uh, from the Giants in 72. Let's see here. Is that correct? Uh, yes, because they went two years of like... Um, Gary Quazzo. Quazzo was the quarterback. <laughs> Man. Bob Lee, Norm Sneed. Boy, this that was... A... T- that was very reminiscent of what's happened post-Kirk Cousins this yeah. season. What a trip down Vikings memory lane here. There it is. Your official on the record, documented, written in the in the history books now. Pie chart of blame for the first ever Vikings. Thomas screwed us. 
That's the main takeaway here. Thomas screwed us. We we uncovered it. You know what we're like? We're like the Kennedy. We're like the Warren Commission. We've <laughs> audited it and found out why the Vikings lost this game. It was George Toma. Man, what an incredible conspiracy theory. All right, Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. There's your historical pie chart of blame. The Rock knows how you feel about 